Well, first it was just out of a room in a townhouse, in just my townhouse, and then we needed more space, so we moved to a duplex. And then that entire basement of the duplex was, um, yeah, was it was called Lash Affair at the time, and had, yeah, full 50, 50 to 60 people per day in and out of my home that I was also living oh in. Oh, my gosh. Hey guys, and welcome back to Herspective. How's it going, boo? Good. Uh, this is a bit different for us, recording on a Saturday. I know, it's so, we're weekend warriors. I know. It's, <laughs> I feel all out of sorts. I'm just out of me like too. my norm, but it was good. I'm really excited for this episode today. Yeah, me too. Um, we got a super cool guest. We're introducing a super cool new segment. Yeah, I'm stoked about the segment. Uh, so make sure you guys listen to after we're done with our show because we are staying on. We're not done talking. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, our, we have a really fun segment and it's called Ride or Die. So we'll explain more of that later and uh, we'll have some funny stories to tell about people that are ride or die. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm sure you guys have an idea um, since we've been posting on our social. But anyways, now we're kind of kind of share some of the things that you sent us but yes we will get into it after yeah we got some good ones and some Some hilarious ones like besties and we're gonna shout you out you guys came like from the woodwork with these hilarious memories thank you (laughs) um but also super excited that it is coffee and bailey season i know most people call it like holiday season or you know winter it's coffee and bailey's or winter (laughs) what lamos Clearly coffee and Bailey season. What is this winter you speak of? <laughs> I love it too. There is not a time when a good coffee and Bailey's is not needed or in the appreciated. morning. Well, all day. Every all all minutes of the day. <laughs> <laughs> all day, every day, coffee Bailey's time. <laughs> yeah, I think that it should be like like I I'm not for drinking and driving, obviously, but I feel like a coffee and Bailey's isn't drinking and driving. Like it's just because like it, a need. Has anyone in the history of coffee and Bailey's ever gotten drunk off a of coffee and Bailey's? I unfortunately I can't speak to that statistic, but <laughs> I mean, I've never have been drunk. No, and usually I have like one. I can't be slamming coffee and Bailey's. I'd probably die of a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. There are days when I literally bring that in my thermos to work. Well, we all do. It's everybody does that. We okay. just everyone pretends like they don't smell <laughs> the Bailey's on your breath at your 9 a.m. meeting. Okay, and that's another thing. It's not like it's hardcore whiskey or vodka. I feel like you wouldn't even smell it on my breath. Tell uh, me if you do. Well, I'm not in the <laughs> meetings with you, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never bring that to work, but I want to. I also want to, and I do. Okay. (laughs) I'm living vicariously through you then. But honestly, though, like, you're right. No one's really getting drunk. I know technically it's still considered drinking and driving, but, like, it's just a little warm-up. It's a little pep in your step in the morning on a Monday morning, cold and and bitter on these, whatever that word is, winter day. (laughs) Everyone loves a good coffee and Bailey's in coffee and Bailey's season. It exactly. is what it is. Um, but another little favorite of yours that this 
winter season brings is it's hideous Hallmark movie season. <laughs> okay, so I know I just said it's coffee and Bailey season, but I lied. It's Hallmark movie season. <laughs> Christmas movies are out. The worst. They are, I'm not going to lie to you. I understand that they are the worst. They are so predictable. They're, I'm embarrassed watching these most of the time. Alone. Yes. Oh, I have to watch them alone. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would watch them with me. Yeah, this is something we definitely don't share a love for. Like, I see those on the Women's Network, and, like, immediately you can tell that they are, I don't know, are they I low budget? A, a women. No, they're Canadian is what they are. Oh, that's sad. I, it is sad. I feel bad now. It is sad, but don't worry. I rep them and support them. There's American actors. Like, I feel like. No, these are Canadian produced films. They're all done in Vancouver. They're all the same. Like the Hallmark Channel has the same actors that rotate in all of these movies. It's Am I thing. thinking of something different? Because I feel like I've seen some, you know, like. No, the odd time they will. BC Lister. Yeah, the odd time. But no, these are Hallmark movies. They are. Okay. Everyone knows them. They're women channels, women's channel movies. And then around. Well, around, you know, October, they start bringing out the holiday ones. Yeah, they're terrible. They're so good. They perpetuate that need for unrealistic uh, hashtag couple goals bullshit. You're absolutely right. And to be honest, like I said, I they're so stupid. Like nobody ever lives like that. Nobody that never happens ever. These scenarios would never happen. They're so predictable. I can literally tell you from the first minute and a half what's going to happen at the end, actually, they're all the same. So I already know that. Anyways, they're terrible. But I love them. It's my thing. It's my guilty it is, thing. And the is. Christmas ones are even better. Like, I just love them all. Well, I support you and your love for Hallmark. I'm never going <laughs> to watch you. it with you. That's completely fair. But I understand. Okay. Well, I'm Nobody glad. wants to. They're horrible. But. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> I love them. Anyways, I might just sneak one on one day when you're here and no. Sucker you in. Then I'll leave. You might love them. I won't. You might. I can't. You could. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of like a weird thing, weird being you like Hallmark movies. Uh, okay. Yes. I've been I've been doing some testing with you know how everybody knows that their phone listens to them. So I have Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so like one time I was talking out loud or I guess maybe I wasn't talking and I was actually just searching. Um, so your phone, obviously your browser picks up like your cookies and whatever. But I decided that I wanted like coupon codes or maybe get some free shit. And I thought, well, if my phone's listening to me, they're going to serve me ads that might offer me coupon codes for stuff that I want or like buy this and get one free or whatever it might be. So I've decided I'm going to like talk out loud about things that I want. <laughs> While recording or just near your phone? No, just like my phone will be there. Like it's beside oh, me. My, I love the little trick you're playing with it with Apple, like Google, <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> I believe I'm smarter than yeah. these conglomerate companies. <laughs> And I've figured it out and they're listening to me. So they're going to give me what I want. I'm like turning this around. Like I'm going to, it's going to serve me now. Um, This is measurable. We will know when all the free cool stuff just arrives at your door one day. So far none has come. Surprising. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) It takes longer to test. I I need to continue. Continue So maybe it'll do it now. Like it's listening to us now. Who knows what weird ads I'm going to get. You're right. Hallmark ads. That's what's going to happen. Ideally. Not at all, but <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, I just thought we'll keep you posted on Lauren's little <laughs> experiment with the. <laughs> You're so funny. That's um, but 
I had a very terrifying moment the other day, and I think pretty much everybody can relate to this. But have you ever, like, choked in your car while driving? It happens to me all the fucking time. It's so scary. Like, I feel like a child. Like, I start, like, panicking a little bit, and I'm like, someone needs to save me. I'm going to die. But I have to drive still. I can't just, like, (laughs) crash into the people in the other lanes. Like, I have to keep it together. But I'm like, I'm dying. Like, my life is flashing before my eyes. I'm choking. This apple is going to kill me. Like... Yeah, it's it's the worst You're feeling. Right. All reason and sanity and logic go flying out the window it's along seriously. with your ability to breathe. So actually, this is this happened to me the exact other day. I was driving to your house um, <laughs> on Kingston, and I was scarfing down a burger from McDonald's. I love how you say apple, and I'm like, no, bro, burger <laughs> and and fries. Like I had it all in there, I was dr- like eating really s- disgustingly, to be honest. And uh, of course, I choked. Obviously. Weird, I know. Um, so I'm in my car, and then I'm trying to, like, throw pop down my throat to... Save your life? Save my life, and, like, shit is everywhere. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But, happens. like, I just think that how many people on the daily are, like, eating or drinking, whatever, they're in their car, and they start choking. And, like, it is so frightening because you're, like, if I focus on the choking, I'm going to crash but if I don't focus on the choking, I'm going to die. Well, I'm going to die either way, probably. Yeah, you literally have no other option. Yeah. Death is the only imminent available But it's just go. a weird thing to be, like, alone in your car choking. And then when you're done and you get your breath back, you're looking around like, whoa, did you see that? Like, to nobody. You're looking over. <laughs> like, we made it out of that hellhole. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's so true. But I don't really feel that dangerous because – or I don't really feel in – super danger because you're surrounded by so many cars so you can just be like honk and wave over i don't have that kind of sense at that moment to be like help me oh i feel safe i feel surrounded i'm like (laughs) have your good you have your people around you okay this happens to me every single time i'm driving i'm always singing and dancing in my car and every time i look over someone's laughing and pointing at me this happens all the time so i feel like if i was choking and dying they would still be attracted to no they'd turn their head and be like didn't see that (laughs) (laughs) or they'd still point and laugh yeah she's dancing still i saw her last week and she's dead (laughs) That's too bad. Yeah, no, it's yeah, that's true. Anyway, I just <laughs> I just needed everyone to feel my fear and pain. Um, so that's why I needed to share that story. But I know it's really irrational and and childish of me, but I was scared. Yeah, no, it is scared. It is scary. I mean, when you feel like you're dying, <laughs> <laughs> the natural impulse to be scared upon death, it happens. And another thing that I had to bring up and like have a little rant about because I don't know why but there just seems like there's an influx maybe because it is like the Christmas and holiday season and people are like I don't know getting their nails done and whatever and changing their look for winter but what is happening with the girls out here still posting fresh mani pics like <laughs> I cannot I think it the invisible oh, dick don't even get me started I this is a like if I see anyone on my social media doing the invisible dick, what is it like the claw? Yeah, the like, hideous hand-held motion, like the I instantly hate posture you. of your hand. <laughs> we're both doing it right now. It's so ugly. <laughs> yeah, as we're both like, <laughs> I'm looking at it like I hate you. Curling our clawed <laughs> hands. Holding. Neither of us have a nice manicure, by the way. No, nope. <laughs> and if I did, I wouldn't post about it. I surely wouldn't post about. It. I just. 
those people are I'm sorry if I know you and I love you and you do this I hate you like at the same time suck don't ever do that again like (laughs) like okay in fairness like I used to do that when I thought it was cool and like I was you know on I guess when Instagram was still kind of like new but I realized the error of my ways and I apologize. And yeah, I'm sorry for being somewhat of a hypocrite and hating on the people that are still doing it. But like, how are you out here still doing that? Like, it's over. No one cares. How many pages of shink, shink? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what you're trying to say. How many shades of pink do we need to see? Literally none of those. And it's it, it is very circa like what 2010. I don't even know. And also stay like, back there. I don't care if you have a ring through your nail or like reindeer face. A or ring through your nail, that's two thousand and like three. Whatever, it's, everything comes back. But it's also <laughs> it's just like, why do I care? And like whatever, fine. I know Instagram social is to post whatever you want. And I'm sure people don't want to see everything I post, but that's fine. Like unfollow me. I guess I could unfollow manicure people, but it's like, I don't know that you're going to do that. And when I see it, it's very unexpected. And it's also just like, why? <laughs> you gave me no preparation yeah. that you're going to post a claw. <laughs> like, it takes like time out of my day to witness this post of yours. And then sit there with the feeling of like disgust and hatred towards that person. It is, yeah, it is time consuming. It's just really a, a negative cycle. <laughs> it's but, just a damper on my day. Like why though? Why did we do this? Like what is, like who cares? Is anyone like, oh my God, I'm so glad I saw that manicure pic. Like that was a good one. That was a good one. I should ask who her nail artist is. Some people maybe. I don't know. It's the same thing. Like why are we go sharing with this? food. Why do we share these random things throughout our day? We're all eating. I don't know. I like food. I like food too, but if I see something delicious on your feet, I'm either going to be jealous of you or think, get a life, and where do you eat that? <laughs> and side note, send me exactly the recipe or the store you're at, yeah. restaurant, but I know, I'm just being a bitch right now, but it's just like, I just- I want to know whose manicure you saw to prompt this. No names will be Tell <laughs> I'll tell you after. Okay. But yeah, it was just- I just think, like, why are we doing this? Like, who cares? So, PSA, girls, now is the season to have your coffee and Baileys, watch your Hallmark films. Do not post a picture of your holiday manicure. Yeah, of your one party nail that's painted like a candy cane. Because we know in two days that first finger is going to fall off, and then you're going to break the pinky finger, and you're just going to look ratchet anyways. No, that's so mean. That's so mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, so it's just a bitch fest. What's wrong with us? We I shouldn't know. record on Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's eating in my holiday movie time, and we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, getting back to things that are somewhat relevant. important relevant. I know. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thanks we for had reeling a- us in there. <laughs> We had a great show last week with Natalie. Um, she's just yeah. so amazing. And she really is. We were really happy to have her on the show. And I think she's a serious inspiration and just a reminder that go for your dreams. It's never too late. Yeah. And honestly, I love any any person that is so passionate about something that they literally stop what they're doing just to pursue it. It's it's very – I love it. I'm so proud of of those girls. And, uh, and yeah, thanks for sharing that, Natalie. Yeah, yeah we love it's you. a big risk and uh, you're killing it. So we love Vent and hope to be there soon for our own little camper session. <laughs> Mimosas yeah. and friends. Love it. Yes, Best please. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think we can probably 
get into the episode now. Yeah. So today we have another amazing uh, lady on. We are just constantly, uh, our guests are amazing. We say this every week, but uh, today to introduce our girl. Yeah, we are really excited to announce our guest today. Uh, Joining us remotely from Edmonton, she is a mother of three, an award-winning lash artist, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and she is the CEO of a business that you may or may not know of, but you will after this show, Sugar Lash Pro. Really excited to have you here. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yes, we are too. Um, So I came across an article about you and thought like your story was amazing, that you're an incredible woman. And when I shared it with Jess, we thought we definitely need to have you on the show and hear your story and learn about you and how you got to where you are. So I'd love it if you would tell us a little bit more about yourself and the business. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I've been in the lash industry, the eyelash industry for um, coming on 11 years now. Actually, no, 12 years now. Um, And it's been a wild ride. So I mean, in Cole's notes, I started as a part-time eyelash extension artist out of my home. And Fast forward to now, and I'm CEO and founder of Sugar Lash Pro, which is a wholesale um, business that is B2B. So we provide professional product to lash artists all around the world and training as well. And we are in um, 80 plus countries around the world and just um, over 60,000 lash artists currently using our product. Wow. That's amazing. Very impressive. And so you developed like a little school, right? Like a little Sugar Lash Pro type education? Yeah, we developed um, courses for professionals to train people that wanted to break into the lash industry or ones that um, we wanted to kind of progress along in the lash industry. And um, we were actually the first ones um, to do online training. And so that was a kind of big disruptor to the industry at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. So... Like, let's go back a little bit, though. Like, how did you know that you needed to do this? Like, what um, encouraged you to get going? Well, originally, when I first got into the lash industry, I mean, I guess we could talk about it right at the beginning. And it was... um, Yeah, definitely. Please do. Yeah, like, anyone who's listening that's just like, oh, my goodness, like, I could never do that. I promise you you can build like the biggest business with no, I mean, no, no house. So me, like, if we're going to even take it back before that academically, like in high school, I was not great. I got in trouble all the time. I was failing. Um, a lot of my subjects going into the finals and then luckily because I'm a procrastinator studied and, or cheated a little bit to get my grades (laughs) up to where they needed to be to pass high school, but barely like just pass with minimum credits and, um, whatever. And, um, they always just said like, if you could just apply yourself, like you're so smart, if you could apply yourself, but I'm just not a person who can apply myself to something. If I'm not like into it, it just, I just can't physically can't still, still to this day is the same way. Um, and so I was in retail before that as managing retail stores and then, um, got pregnant with my first son. And when I had him, um, I actually, it was a saving grace. I had him and kind of had my eyes open to how, um, abusive and crazy the relationship that I was in at the time was, and this is when I was 19 years old. 
So, yeah, I was going to ask, how old were you when all this got started? Yeah, that was, I was 18 when I got pregnant with him and 19. And when I had him, I was like, oh my goodness, this is a crazy relationship. So got out of that. And, um, and then when I was supposed to go back to work, I was looking at, you know, I was supposed to go back as the store manager of uh, a gap. And it was going to be crazy hours and great salary and whatever, but I just wanted more flexibility to be able to um, just take care of him if he got sick or, you know, any of that stuff. So luckily for me, my mom had said, there's a thing called eyelash extensions and we're going to go and try it. And like, go get them done yeah, or go, go get them done. She was like, oh, okay. because yeah. I had moved back in with them at that point. Um, I guess that's when the fad started, right? Like it became the thing that everybody wanted to do and now it's blown up to like one of the most popular beauty trends. Yeah. Well, luckily for us, like now it's actually more women are getting them than not. But yeah, so originally I, I just started a part-time thing and that was as audacious as the dream was, was just let me, I, I got them done. I fell in love with them. I wanted to take a course. Um, did take a course, but it was really hard for me to take a course because at that time you had to be a cosmetist, uh, cosmetologist or an esthetician or a nurse to take the training. So I hadn't had to like find this backyard way of training. Uh, but I did, I did what I needed to do and started my part-time thing. And then that was it. That was the dream. And then I just got way too booked and hired my first staff. And then my, you know, second and third and fourth and fifth. And it was five of us out of my basement. At one point. Yeah, I was going to ask, it was out of the basement to start, right? Yeah. Well, first it was just out of a room in a townhouse, in just my townhouse. And then we needed more space. So we moved to a duplex. And then that entire basement of the duplex was, um, yeah, was, it was called Lash Affair at the time. And had, yeah, full 50, 50 to 60 people per day in and out of my home that I was also living oh in. Oh my gosh. Wow. So and from there, you realized you needed to get out of the basement. Yes. So then we moved commercially, which was super easy. And luckily for me, my neighbors didn't start getting super insanely mad until we were only like a month out from moving. So that was good. And we moved over there and expanded to like to double the staff and whatever. We were doing super well for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden we started seeing this dip in the market. Um, we were booking like six weeks out. Like everyone was just like, it was no sweat, like no same week bookings. It was, if anything, we were too booked. Um, and then all of a sudden we started seeing this dip a couple of years in and I'm like, what is happening? And I knew that there was like competitors popping up, but I felt confident that we were still like the most skilled in the city. Um, and you know, whatever pricing, whatever was on the high end, but I started doing some research and, um, seeing that what was happening was Lash extensions obviously were exploding as they still are, but they were exploding and people were going to places that were not reputable and that were just, you know, watching YouTube videos or whatever, um, because the training wasn't super accessible. Right. So people were having to go these like sketchy routes and then were damaging people's eyelashes like crazy. And then the consumer wasn't able to say, Hey, I went to a, a bad place to get my lashes done and they damaged it. Instead, they were just saying, I tried lash extensions and they made all my lashes fall out or, you know, it really hurt. And they didn't know that that was just a bad application. So then there was this fear that started spreading like everywhere. Cause you know how it is when you get a bad service, it's like, you're going to tell everyone about yeah, it. Bad news travels fast. Yes. So fast. And so, yeah, so people were scared. It was just like this fear thing and it was happening all over the world. And so 
I, because my sketchy, my, my training initially was kind of sketchy. Um, I was kind of, I don't know. I had to develop my own curriculum through trial and error and I did. And I felt like I held that really close to my chest because it took a lot of, of work to get to that point. But when we started seeing bookings drop, I thought, okay, I need to, I need to do something else and I need to think bigger here. And, and I'm going to develop training and product that takes everything from an aesthetics program or a cosmetologist program or a nursing program, whatever is applicable to lashes. And I'm going to develop a curriculum that I could take someone right off the street or like a stay-at-home mom or whatever, and can give her like a career, but not a career that she has to like go to like backyard stuff to kind of get it started. Like I wanted it to be the most solid training that was available in the industry at the time. And so that's how um, Sugar Lash Pro was started. And then obviously I needed product to support that training. And so, um, lucky for me, I was already working with manufacturers and kind of, um, custom creating stuff for our lounge. And so I had, I had those contacts already and we just decided to, um, kind of go full bore and think bigger about the industry instead of just our, our little salon. Wow. That is super impressive that you were able to legitimize the training of an entire industry almost. Yeah, it was, I mean, for me, everything I've, every move that I've made in my career is just like, so, um, solutions focused. Like it's just what, what are the pain points and how am I going to fix them? And I, I move pretty quickly on how I'm going to, um, disrupt stuff or change stuff and, you know, listen to the grumblings of artists and, and help them. And so it's been, you know, cool to know that we're, we're actually having a really big impact on how the industry is shaped. And so you're based out of Edmonton. When Sugar Lash Pro started, was that only in Edmonton as well? Or was it over Canada? So when we launched, the lash industry was tight-knit and very international from the get-go. So even when it was just um, in the salon and whatever, we had like forums on Facebook or whatever that was people from all over the world. Um, and so even when we launched, um, like, you know, within the first month, we were sending stuff internationally and and into other countries and um, just had people ordering from all over because I was just really well known already in the industry um, for my artistry skills and the way that I applied lash extensions and the, the, the techniques that I had developed over time. And so, yeah, year one, um, I mean, I think we shipped to still like probably 12 to 15 countries. Um, and yeah, did I, it was like $300,000 in revenue the first year, which to me was absolutely mind boggling at the time that people would care that much about our lash company, but it really did just meet, meet the needs. The other thing that it did, it disrupted the industry was that the brands that were existing in the marketplace at that time said that if you trained with them, you had to use their products forever. And if you ever use a different company's products, they would decertify you. How would they know? They would just know, like they would just find out and they would just pull your certificate. And they would check yeah, out how much you were terrible. spending and they would like hold you to like minimums per month. And it was really like this like oppressive thing. Dictatorship. Yeah. yeah. Like so controlling and so capitalist. Yeah. And it was like, like, you know, are you going to give me back my three grand for training when you pull my certificate? Like it was just bizarre. And so that was the other thing that when we came in, I said, you can train with us. It, even if you train with someone else, you can train with us. You can train with us and train with someone else after. You can use our products if you want to. You can use someone else's products. Like it was just, yeah, it was, it was this new, new take 
on how it should be. Well, that seems to be way more business savvy. Like, obviously, you know that there's competition out there and you want to stand up to that competition. But at the same time, if you are putting all these rules and parameters around what your business offers, then people are going to be like, well, no, I don't want that. I don't want to be controlled by this one entity. Yeah. I think that would turn me off a lot. Like if that was the case, I would probably be like, well, I'm going to go somewhere else that doesn't have these kind of very stringent rules for me. Because if you're trying to build your own business, the last thing you want is to have to follow these like specific guidelines. Well, not necessarily guidelines, but like rules, I guess, um, of another business because you're trying to do your own thing and you're not really being able to do your own thing in that way. And like forever too. Yeah, forever is kind of crazy. Like what if that company went under, then what happens? Totally. No, a thousand percent. And what I was seeing happen was when, you know, they had all these artists that were like married to them essentially. And then um, they didn't have any like drive to keep progressing or like developing the best education or developing the best products because they had these people locked in and then they just became stagnant. And so, yeah, that's a really good point is that if they're not evolving in their technology and their products and their ingredients and, you know, the business is still going to keep evolving outside of you. So if you're not going with it, then you're going to be left behind and you're going to lose out anyway, because people are going to go to the best there is typically or the most reasonable price. Totally. But if you can offer the best products at the most reasonable price, then you're going to win. That's just like how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. I've never heard of uh, like an industry with such strict rules like that ever. I didn't know that was even allowed. Like, I didn't know you could. I don't know. I honestly don't know if it actually was or not. That's just, yeah, that is just how it was at the beginning. And it was a little wild. That was, I mean, that was at the very beginning. Like, that was, that was 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah. There was two kind of main starting, players, and they were both like that. Yeah, they can monopolize because they can. Exactly. Yep. Totally. Wow, that's insane. I'm so glad you were able to offer people an alternative to that. Yeah, and part of the reason you did this was it to give like moms or single moms an opportunity to be able to sort of take care of themselves, and they didn't need to be dependent or codependent on a partner, and they were able to be shown that there is an alternative for them and they can do something and take care of themselves and their family. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that like single moms per se were like my actual driver, but for sure a driver for me always has been that anyone, you know, for sure a driver for me is people that don't think that they are capable of much or don't feel like they have the education or don't feel like, you know, they're smart enough or whatever. Um, taking those people and showing them like, I can build you a career where you're making over a hundred thousand dollars in like a week's worth of training. Cause that's how it is in the latch industry. And I mean, just the beauty industry in general is like very lucrative. And so, yeah. So with sugar lash, we started with products and training and how to do lashes. And then actually what we did, because that is my driver is helping people make sure that their businesses are running successfully was we launched this program called lash pro 
accelerator and it was an entire it was a nine-month program that someone could work through and develop an amazing brand and do marketing and do Facebook and Pinterest and ads and all of that stuff and um and literally build them a really unique business using this tool so that's been always my driver is making sure that they have stuff to run their business but also like supporting them in business stuff to do awesome things so did you know like at that time when you wanted to offer that program that you needed a team with those expertise, like somebody with marketing backgrounds, business management backgrounds, or did you develop all the programming yourself? At that point when we launched it, I did it all myself because I had the know-how and just the, like not because I went to business school because I didn't, I barely passed high school, but because I was able to build a successful salon all by myself and it was, I did the website and I did the marketing and I did, you know, everything that I needed to do with that salon, um, the home-based one to commercial one. Um, I just applied all of that and all of my know-how um, into those programs. And since we've evolved it to involve more experts kind of in their field to make it a little bit more robust, but because these are small yeah. business owners, right? They don't need this complicated thing from someone who went to like, has a marketing degree and blah, 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 right? They just need someone that's going to break it down into simplified terms. And so I think that's what made it cool too, was it was super approachable because it wasn't someone that was going to you know, make it overly complicated or more robust because at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. Yeah. A lot more user-friendly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like you just gave them the fundamentals and the confidence to go out and do it. And I'm obviously it worked because your business has blown up exponentially and astronomically to being where you are now. And from the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be stopping anytime soon either. Nope. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I've, Sometimes it's like, I wish that we could slow down a little bit, but no, I've just got to buckle up all the time. I'm just like, buckle up. It's good. It's great. But we're, yeah, we're moving really fast. Keep riding that momentum. I'm excited to see what's to come in the future. You've expanded and evolved from the basement all the way up to, you know, global domination. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the world is your oyster. It's very exciting. So with that being said though, like, do you feel any part of the business is like you got lucky or something that like we hear a lot is like imposter syndrome, like being someone who obviously at the start of this, you probably didn't think it was going to be what it is now. And we're just happy to be providing and making your own money and having like a good business that was successful and and paying the bills to it becoming a multi-million dollar industry. And like you kind of created an industry within an industry, but then an also just a successful business do you ever think like how did I get here why am I here do I deserve this because I know that a lot of like really successful people have those moments of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. no totally I I think I mean I think for me it's been it's been a blessing and it's worked to my advantage but I actually think that I thrive where I am feeling imposter syndrome if that makes sense so like at the beginning it was you know it was always treading new ground, right? I never, I was never in like the B2B, you know, business thing. I was always just servicing clients. Um, and then when we went to B2B, it was a whole new thing and developing product was a whole new thing. And, um, you know, shipping internationally was a whole new thing. And so the reason why I think I have been so successful has been because I'll stay where it's highly uncomfortable all the time. Like my comfort zone is being uncomfortable And so for me, like, for example, um, you know, at the beginning it was like, yeah, shipping internationally was this huge thing. And then, you know, hiring some high level, 
managing people was a, a big thing for me because I had never, you know, worked with people on that in that capacity and um, staffing and all that stuff. But now, you know, year six, um, for example, this last year, we had to do a pitch to Ulta Beauty in the U.S., who's like the biggest um, yeah, salon that's huge. beauty retailer in the States, which is crazy. And they wanted to bring on lash services into their salons. And it was like we needed to pitch them. And so I went to Chicago and I'm like, I have no idea how to do a pitch. Like, I, I don't know what they're wanting me to talk about. I don't know. You know what I mean? And so yeah. for sure, like imposter syndrome, like all the time when I speak at conferences, when I do whatever, I'm like, well, why am I important enough to get, you know, to be talked to or doing these podcasts or, you know what I mean? Like it's always, but you know what, I, what I've learned is like people like listening to people that it's like they're real and they can connect with, but, um, no, like treading new ground is, I think you'll always, you will always feel like an imposter until you do it See, and then it's done. And then I got the Alta deal and whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not an imposter. I actually wrote. Oh, congrats. That. Thanks. I think, I think that's the main thing though. Becoming an entrepreneur, starting from the bottom, it, you're the opposite of an imposter because you've done it and you aren't just somebody coming in and running, a, running a business, not to, you know, undermine that type of business either, but you literally, your passion drove you to being the pro. So, and the expert. So that's exactly why you're in these positions, I think. And you got to be self-taught, right? You had to learn all of these needs for your business by yourself in a lot of ways, like learning what international shipping looks like and how to connect with those people. And I guess making sure too that it's all legitimate because obviously there's a lot of like fake stuff out there and scam artists and things like that. And the thought of that to me kind of scares the crap out of me. Like how do you wade through all of that and know that you're making the right decisions and you're, you're connecting. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) And, but I, I think your message of being comfortable, uncomfortable is great because that probably is a big thing that stops a lot of people. Because as soon as you feel that fear or start to question yourself or your decisions, we back out, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's human nature to be like, yeah, exactly. It's human nature to kind of run from, the unknown and the fear of the unknown. So that's a special characteristic, I think, that maybe not everybody has, but could develop. Like you said, you wanted to show people that they could do this and you gave them that opportunity. For sure. And I I mean, for sure that you can't, you can't teach that. I think like true entrepreneurs, like through and through entrepreneurs, like they do thrive in that, in that kind of fear <laughs> fear and absolutely yeah. we hear that a lot a from ground. from our guests and stuff entrepreneurs you know love the hustle and and they use that hustle to continue to propel them forward and and uh, I think that's what's happened here as well yeah for sure but and and it's not to discount and say that if you don't like feeling you know wildly stressed out all the time that you can't be an entrepreneur <laughs> too but maybe not on the <laughs> same scale right but but running your own business and having a shop or having whatever and making it so it's like your own unique cool thing. I mean, um, yeah, there's many types of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and some of them, of course, like I like to have a shop and stuff like that. And I'm sure they still all feel stress and maybe their drive isn't is to just, you know, find somebody else who can deal with that stress. And that's still growth and that's still going forward as well. It's just oh, absolutely. they are motivated by different things. 
And yep. they the, obviously in that situation, they recognize their strengths and their weaknesses where it's like, okay, I can't deal with this, but I'm amazing at this. So I'm going to yeah. get somebody to take over this part of the business or the responsibilities and I'm going to keep doing what I'm good at. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's where passion drives things. Like I think entrepreneurs all have a certain passion and that's where it begins and that's where it starts. And then they can see where their strengths are just because you're super passionate for example, about lashes doesn't mean you know how to run a business. In your case, you are naturally gifted in this yeah. industry and you and you were able to. Um, but that doesn't mean that if you weren't, you wouldn't have been able to find a way anyways, right? Totally. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. So another interesting question that like we don't really hear about a lot is when you become so wildly successful like you've become – Do you find that like your friend circle change, like your relationships change? And I don't mean specifically romantic, but just like in general, like, are you treated differently? Did you have to like change how you kind of carried yourself or how you related to people? Like, I just wonder when you go from something that isn't, and again, not like downgrading anybody in, you know, more of a white collar, blue collar situation. Mm -hmm. But when you go from that level to what is considered elite, like, that has to come with a whole other set of responsibilities, yeah. expectations, yeah. and problems and struggles. Honestly, I – so I would say honestly, and this is not – like this is not even exaggerating whatsoever. For sure, for the last – so I've been in business now for like 11 years. I did not have friends for eight years. Like not wow. – I, I would like talk to family and, you know, see people, you know, have family dinners and, and whatever. But – I just couldn't maintain like proper friendships because they just, I was just exhausted. Like the first date or the last date? The first date. The first date. Like when I was launching it, like when I was launching the, when I was launching the, you know, home based business to salon business, then launching Sugar Lash Pro and whatever. It's only been in the last three years that I've been able to like reconnect slash make new friends. So I had friends, but they were all friends that I worked with, right? Like, my makeup artist, for example, in the, you know, in the first eight years, it was like, if I needed makeup artists, if I needed photographers, it was all people that were in my circle, but it was very much a work circle. And I didn't have people outside of that. And so it shifted in the last few years where I thought, okay, I need to, you know, um, develop some stuff outside of work. Cause obviously this isn't sustainable for long term. Um, and for me, I mean, I think this, this, um, answer might be surprising, but I do have, a number of people that are super, super career minded and, you know, I get together with them and it's just like this, like brainstorm and, um, you know, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like how can I apply that to my business or we'll like speak into each other's businesses. And that's really cool. But for me, um, I'm such a real person. Like I'm such a, I don't want to say other people aren't real, but I really, really value in friendships, just someone who can like make me laugh and be themselves. And I actually, like, I think if you were to like line up all my friends, you guys would be like, who are these people? Cause they're just like high school friends and whatever. And people that are like, you know, live on acreages and just like, you know what I mean? Like, so not in the beauty industry at all or that world or even like the city. So I very have like compartmentalized groups of friends where, um, you know, if I need to reset and get out of my head and get out of the craziness of work, then I'm going to hang out with these people. Or if I need to be inspired, then I'll have this group of like my professional friends and then my just whatever friends. So 
I mean, it's been hard. Sometimes you'll run into situations where I think that, you know, if you have a friend or or a couple or whatever that you're hanging out with and, you know, their only issue is having more money, for example, and they just think my entire life would be solved if I made an extra $50,000 a year or whatever, right? Yeah. I think that, that is can a be lot hard. of people's opinions, I think. Totally. Mm-hmm. And because I think that especially can be when hard, you but... see people. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that that can be hard because then, you know, if you have other problems, they just can't identify with that. Like they, they're like, oh, well, you make a lot of money. So what could you possibly be stressed about? And it's like, oh, every other thing besides money, right? Like yeah. it's like, it's just so flip-flopped. So you run into stuff like that. But I definitely have never been a person that that would end a friendship or, or a relationship. Yeah, I think when people see somebody go from, you know, just you know, mid-level to highly successful, it does appear that money has solved their problems, right? And we kind of see that all the time online. Everything we are kind of following and faced with, it is sort of revolving around wealth and having lots of stuff and lots of money. And that means you have a great life where we don't know the inner workings of these people's private lives or what they deal with behind closed doors. And that assumption that like, oh, a little bit more money will make all my problems disappear is is a, I think a stigma and a misconception that definitely needs to be like unfolded a little bit more because I, I I'm not part of that elite class, but I also am more aware of like, even in my own life, if I had a little extra money, that's not going to fix some of the things that I deal with. Like, it's just right. not it. Totally. And and the other thing is, I wonder in your situation, like when you had a lot of like friends that knew you from when you guys were younger, do you find that it changed when you did start getting really successful and obviously your financial status changed? Do people come out of the woodwork a little bit and so all of a sudden they're your best friend and like, hey, I want to hang out with you, Courtney. Like, oh, this seems like you're doing so great. Did you deal with a lot of that? Um, No, I haven't. I, I feel like people have come out of the woodwork, you know, here and there. If it, Like there was an article that CBC wrote about me like a few months ago and I definitely got like tons and tons of like congratulations and people came out of the woodwork just to say like oh my goodness this is crazy like what you've built and like so awesome but definitely I haven't been subject to any like snaky <laughs> kind of stuff that's nice. and I, I wanted to oh, say that's too surprising. that I wanted to say too that I was when talking to the money I read this article and I still think that it's so true um, it was just in passing, but it stuck with me forever that, um, they say that $85,000 a year is like the sweet spot for salary. Right. Any more than that. And you're getting into that, like, yeah, isolation or people are treating you differently or you're, you know, creating other problems for yourself and then anything less than that. And you're a little bit tight. And so, yeah, that's, that's always stuck with me like throughout the years. Yeah, I did actually an online class about this. It was um, a study done in Yale University, and they said that there is, <clears throat> I think in the class I did it was 75, but that was in the States, so okay, yeah. that could be the, the difference track, there. Yeah. Um, but after 75,000 or higher, you think you're going to be happier, but you really don't have a different level of it. it. Yet, like you said, there are more stressors and things like that, but... Um, I don't want to alienate anyone. Sometimes a little bit more money will help and will ease up some stressors. Um, so it, I guess I guess the best thing is always to 
feel grateful when you do totally. have a little bit more. You know yeah. what I mean? Staying grounded gonna, is obviously important. I'm not going to take a pay cut, but, <laughs> but <I'm laughs> yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, and it, and it is. It's a, a reminder all the time about your success and the hard work that you put in. So it is not something that you should feel guilty about or, you know, feel any sort of ways other than proud and, and happy for what you have. Yeah. And it, you're leaving a legacy for your children. Like, that's also something that would be motivating and give you a lot of pride, I would think, because you're going to set them up to probably not have a certain set of struggles that maybe you had, Right. And I think that is one of the things that definitely is a perk when you're becoming more financially stable or having a certain level of financial status. Because if you have children or you have family and you know you can really take care of them and take care of them like when you're not around even, Mm -hmm. to me that would be something that would be really like special. Like I would – that's something I would strive for. I mean, at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword because I always, like my number one fear in life is just that they're going to be like spoiled rich kids. Because I came, I mean, we didn't talk about it yet, but like my family was not, like we weren't as hard off as, you know, some people are, but definitely we were like all crammed into one bedroom and we couldn't afford like any sports or any uh, extracurriculars. and, And for sure, like there was times where, you know, we had hamburger helper for the week and we lived on itchy band for a month or whatever. And so, I mean, I wouldn't trade my, I wouldn't trade my childhood for the world. Like it was amazing and it made me imaginative and it made me whatever, because we didn't have all the things that everyone else, you know, had. And so it's an interesting position, I think, to be where we are now. And, you know, by no fault of their own, my kids are rich kids. Right. You know, and it's just this weird, it's this weird thing to navigate where I'm like, I don't want, you know, I don't want them to ever feel like they're owed anything or entitled to anything. Yeah. But I think that's part of the thing that because you came from, uh, you know, you weren't a spoiled rich kid growing up, you can keep them grounded in, in how you were raised as well. So you have that experience on both sides and you can just teach them that. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, they, They've seen more of the world in their, you know, 10 years of life than I saw in my entire life. So it's really cool. Like, I I think for me, I try and combat it all by, like, showing them different cultures and showing them, you know, just how different people live and how they're so grateful with, you know, whatever they have. And it's cool. I mean, especially going outside of North America, you're always going to get a fresh perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we, as North Americans, are kind of spoiled regardless whatever level we're at because we just have so much access, right? And yeah. even if we don't have the means, we can probably still access whatever it is that we need or want in some way because we have a government that supports us. We have all sorts of different systems and programs that support it. But I think it would be interesting for you because can you relate, you know? Like you didn't, based on what you said, how you grew up is completely different than how they're growing up. And that would be hard to relate to because you can't, you can't say like, oh, well, I know what that was like. And you can't say to them, well, you have no idea. Well, you can say to them, but you have no idea <laughs> what it's like to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we all do that. <laughs> so how many children do you have? I have three. I have an 11-year-old okay. son, an 8-year-old daughter, and a 4-year-old son. And like Aww. just on a funny tangent, like it's just like this. This is the example of like what I go through. Like growing up was like, I went skiing like twice in my life and I had to get rentals and I had to do all these things. And it was like this big deal. And then my kids were like going last winter to get ski stuff. Cause I want, I'm like working at 
you know, go to, go to the mountains or, you know, skiing a bunch. And so let's get you guys gear. And like, my son wanted like a different helmet than like the $150 helmet. He wanted like the $350 helmet. And I lost my mind in the store. I was like <laughs> screaming at them and just being like, you guys have no idea. I never owned, I never owned ski stuff until yeah, like three years ago, my whole life. And then like these kids are like, I want that helmet. And I'm like, no, not going to fly. Justify so, to me why you, you need that helmet. Yeah. And also, no, don't I even don't try because you don't. Like, don't even try and justify it. Yeah, I find it funny. I have kids, and um, it is such a weird dynamic because my son has a cell phone, my eight year old, and it's not hooked up. It just connects to the Wi Fi. It's my old right. phone. But it's like, I did not get my own cell phone until I was probably like 14 in high school yeah like yeah and even that to think about it's still kind of crazy considering our parents didn't even the cell phones didn't exist first of all so, so we were in high school yeah. right so it's just like how fast things evolve and how you try and like relate to your kids and explain but they just look at you like okay what like I have a cell phone mom like yeah I don't they're really, like how I don't know what does you're this apply to me right now yeah like <laughs> what are we talking about can we just move on from here thanks no it's so true but yeah and uh and I mean on a on a side note too like when I started my business um my husband was actually the one who stayed home with the kids and I mean I think that that's been hard too like it's just my life is you know different and so yeah there's a I mean if we're talking about stigmas and stuff then I feel like you know there's a lot of mom guilt that comes with running a business and then there's also you know a lot of guilt that men get or shame or whatever for for staying home with the kids and I mean that's that's been an interesting thing to navigate as well. Well, yeah, I definitely we, want to talk about that. Yeah, I was just going to say, can we explore that a little bit? Um, obviously, in this day and age, it you'd hope that it's more typical that women or can be the breadwinners, but it's still something that I think creates an upset in the dynamic sometimes. So how did that work for you? I mean, I think for sure it's been a struggle. The thing with me and, and my partner was that he was very much geared towards like nurturing and um like child mind like he just loved holding babies and whatever like he's always has been like that he's just like a softy and um I'm not like that as much um for sure love my kids but more like I love them as human beings and whatever and I'm not gonna you know stop my life to revolve around them which a lot of I men agree with that completely feel like that right a lot of and then um so basically I was making more income than what my husband was making at the time. And so he decided to stay home. And honestly, for us, it was fine. Like I felt like for us, it was, we knew both of us that we were playing to our strengths and that it actually logically made sense. There was no way around the fact that that was what came naturally to both of us. But I think where it got hard was just his family or my family or what, or, or friends and stuff. Society. Just the, yeah. Society just being like, oh, well, you're not actually a man then. Or how can you be in a marriage when your wife is making more than you? Or how can you feel like a provider? And it's just those like little doubts that creep into your mind all the time. Or, you know, you're a mom. Like, how can your mama heart like deal with, you know, not being there for all the first steps and the, you know, whatever. And I mean, still to this day, it weighs on me. But at the end, you know, at the end of the um, of the day, you have to do what you feel most called to do. And unfortunately, as women, we feel like for whatever reason, we have to do absolutely everything. Like I have to be just as good as a mom 
as I am as a business owner, as I am as a house cleaner and a cook and all that stuff. And a wife. And men just have to work hard. And that's it. Oh, they get yeah. off the hook I mean, with everything else. For sure. And I think society tries to play that role where it's like, oh, no, we accept everything and everybody should be equal and women have the opportunity to be CEOs and really successful entrepreneurs and good for you and we're all supportive. But I think when you kind of peel it back, it isn't like that. And I know there is groups out there and lots of people that are very supportive and believe in that and and kind of practice what they preach. But it is really true. Like being a mom, if you don't have everything in order and your house is perfect and your kids are immaculate and they're in every single sport and they're, or, you know, honing some special skill that they're going to be like a piano prodigy or something like that, like then you're failing, you're a failure. And that no one says it to your face though. That's the thing. Like it's always behind your back, but to your face. So like, you're so amazing. I'm so impressed. And it's like, oh, did you know that she was away for three straight days and she hasn't seen her kids in a week or whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be. And it's so, it's such a constant struggle and battle. And I can't imagine for somebody, for a woman who like yourself, who's like, pushing so hard to create such an amazing business and still trying to be an amazing mom, which I'm a hundred percent sure that you are. And we're, it's just like, you're not allowed to follow your passions because you become a mom. And that should mean that who you are originally gets erased. And that's a big problem. And I, I hate that about society. And that is something that needs to change like drastically and immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, society has always been one to have these strict, Um, expectations of its members and for women, anyone that does stray against, well, men and women, but people that stray against those uh, guidelines are different and judged and judgment is never going to go away. It would just be simply trying to create like normalcy in in different roles that women want to pursue. And I think that if you did stay home or if you did go against what you wanted, that just creates resentment. And why would that not be something that we can judge people who are like going against what they want personally and instead of just trying to do the expectations and it's just sad. Yeah, like if being told in a way that you shouldn't follow your dreams because that means you'll sacrifice I, I don't even know well, what. it's repression. Yeah, exactly. Well, so and I think it's I, interesting. I'm like, just because I started a business, are you telling me that like my kids don't deserve to exist or Sugar Lash doesn't deserve to exist? And it, it is an interesting thing. And then I think whenever I get frustrated with, you know, yeah, like a comment that I hear or, you know, just those passive aggressive things that put like, how can you yeah. be okay with, you know, being gone for, yeah, three nights, whatever, a week? Because um, I can. And I and I do feel fine about it, but I think about if I so if I ever should. get frustrated, I think about the single moms, right? That Sugar Lash has helped, or the people that are getting out of abusive relationships or whatever that are like getting on their feet, and then they're able to be like I know a thousand percent in my heart of hearts that I've helped so many, I've helped so many moms be better moms, and maybe that's maybe that does come, you know quote unquote at you know the sacrifice of some moments with my kids but I just I'm such a bigger thinker picture that like I just have to honor the vision and like why I got started in the first place well they say that you can't make other people happy if you're not happy and if you weren't following your dreams and pursuing your passions 
somewhere inside you, you would be unhappy and you would probably have regret and yeah, like resentment and your kids will feel that. And that could create a whole other set of issues later on. Totally. And you would never want to look back and say, oh, mommy wanted to do this, but I didn't because I chose to stay home with you. And obviously that's no fault of the children's, but telling them that they might be like, well, mom, why wouldn't you pursue your dreams? Like, and you want them to be raised with that idea that you can go for your dream and you don't have to be apologetic for it. Like, yeah. Otherwise it perpetuates that. And women that, that do go against the grain and go against the norm are the ones that create a different pathway for future generations for themselves. Unhappiness is sensed, I think so easily from kids and and that I don't know. I, I'm not a mom, but I couldn't imagine. I, I think I'd feel similar to you. I think, Courtney, I think I would want to be the type of woman that would rather be at work than and pursuing my, my stuff because fulfillment comes in other different ways. Like being a mom and having a career, you need different outlets, I think, to be yeah, fulfilled. It absolutely serves different purposes. Like I'm a mom and I love being a mom and it fulfills me in a whole wonderful set of ways. But doing things like the podcast and having my own interests and my own work and my own social circles and things like that, that's another way I'm fulfilled. And that's a really good point is that it can't be just one thing. And you blazing that trail or or participating in that trail blazing with other women that are doing the same as you is continuing to open the door and break down this idea that like you can't do it all because you are doing it all and you have done it all and you're not slowing down and like we definitely just commend you for that and thank you because we need more and more women to do that and in fairness to men like it should be okay for them to want to stay home like why are we shaming them like I would love that, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not a mom yet, but I feel like one day if my husband says to me, I want to stay at home while you go to work, I'd be like, great. This Thank is you. awesome, yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it seriously was amazing. And it was great knowing my kids were with family and yeah, like, and, and that he was happy doing it. Yeah, and there should be pride with that. Like, you're proud of him, he's proud of you. People should just be proud instead of, negative and try and spin it in some ugly way but yes like oh well I could never I could never well we weren't asking you yeah exactly (laughs) Um, so that's good for you like but why does everyone have to adhere to these things yeah and that's something that bothers me so much and and why does everyone get an opinion yeah why why who are you to have the right to say that you couldn't like not asking you don't care yeah this is my life and you have fun doing whatever you're doing with yours but this is what I've chosen for mine or my husband and I as a family this is what we've chosen and how does it affect your life? And I think it doesn't. It just is jealousy, right? People just get so like jealous. And that goes back to like everything we see on social media is like we're just so like jealous or I guess we admire and want what all these other people have. But well, aren't I think willing... it's a justification on their own decisions True. sometimes. But that's the point. Like people aren't willing to go out and get it. And you can't sit there and hate on someone like Courtney if you're not going to go and try for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I Everyone's don't read it different. as jealousy and hate all the time, but I know what you're saying. I, I No, I, for sure. I yeah. Principle for sure. No, and that's what I'm saying. There's definitely different sets of groups that are truly, truly supportive and like have your back and are behind you and want to see you succeed. And then there's the groups that don't. And then there's the groups that are just like, eh, 
don't care. Whatever. <laughs> like, well, even if they even if they support you and and they say like I couldn't do it and I don't know. I don't. Maybe they're not necessarily jealous. It's just maybe they. I don't know. What, like they can't go forward in their. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Follow their. Path I think maybe. Yeah. I think maybe they feel inadequate in some way or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's just this thing, and they just want to let you know that they could never do it. So don't expect them to do it. And I'm like, I never expected anyone to do it. I mean, if someone does to hand me and and say to me, um, hey this is going to be your career in 11 years. I don't even know if I would take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know if I would yeah. be like, yes, sign me up for that. Cause it's been so much, but I mean, it's been an amazing roller coaster of a ride, but it's, it's just wild. It's a wild, wild, crazy life. Absolutely. And we're, like we said, it's been, I think you're such an inspiration to women out there who um, have this passion to start and sometimes I think a lot of people do, you know, they're, they're interested in something and it's like a snowball and they don't know where to put all this energy to, but it just shows stories like yours just show that there is so much potential. There's so much opportunity if you just kind of hone in on, on that idea and, and run with it. Yeah. And just one foot in front of the other. Like if you like, and that's what I mean, I guess like full circle back to the beginning where it's like, um, you know, we're like $20 million business now and, and doing like crazy things and with Ulta Beauty and getting partnerships and corporate stuff. And it's this whole new world. But, um, I mean, that's only been in the last year. And before that it was different challenges. And before that it was different challenges, but every single day, if you wake up and you have an amazing team that also wakes up just to do the absolute best that you can do, then growing to this scale or whatever scale, right? It is in your industry. That's like astronomical for you. And you could never imagine. It's just a byproduct of just the day to day things. No one, no one on my team, nor will I ever, people ask me, where am I going to be in a year? I have no idea. I only know what I'm going to be doing in the next like three weeks. And I know that I'm going to work really hard for three week periods at a time. And then stuff just falls into place and opportunities just come up. And when they come up, you take them and you work hard on them and you pitch and you do whatever, or you develop a new course. And you know, there's, that's it. You just day to day. And, and when you hit a roadblock where you just feel completely out of your depth and you have no idea what you're doing, you hire someone who knows what they're doing there and they come in and they support you. And it's just this kind of building block, um, of progression. And if you're, if you're doing that day to day and you're consistent in that and your work ethic, then, um, Everything just falls into place over time. Yeah, and obviously you take risks and probably some of those risks don't pan out the way you thought and some do. But I think that's an important thing to remember too is that everything doesn't just like happen with a silver lining. Like sometimes there is failures and struggles and issues that you're like, oh, that may have been not a great business decision, but we'll learn from it and we'll move forward from it. Oh, a thousand percent. I would say that like, Half, probably half of the things that we have done over the years are like, eh, didn't go as expected. But what I do and like what I actually think is the key to like entrepreneurship or, um, yeah, is just grit. Like you just have to be so gritty and like gritty. I think it's kind of like a buzzword. So like I'll break it down what it means to me. But, um, yeah, like not being afraid to fail being but Mm -hmm. at the same time when you do fail own that failure and 
use the information from that failure to pivot and make the next thing you launch not a failure. So like if we launched a course that didn't do well, let's say, and we're like, well, what, why did it flop? Like we were expecting it to do, you know, this in revenue and it did like half of that. Like what's the problem? And so then we'll always gather information and use that to our advantage and say, well, why didn't you guys purchase? Or, or you know, look on the forums, what's, what's happening and what are people discussing? And then we'll adapt it. Maybe the course was too long. Maybe it was too much money. So like, for example, we had this styling course and it was a really, really robust, huge manual, so many modules and people weren't ready to take it. But we... It, so it didn't flop. It did, it did quite well. And it's really, really, it's one of our best reviewed courses, but we decided now to take that and put it into bite-sized chunks that they can purchase like one time. So like just little stuff like that, like adapting all the time to what the need is. Um, and yeah, not being afraid to fail. Cause I'm not, I, I failures are so welcome, like in our, in our, um, industry, but it should be in any industry where it's just like, that's where you're going to learn the most. Like you don't really learn a lot from your successes. Right. They're yeah. great. It is and the best way to learn, bit, but mm, whatever you don't grow yeah, as so, a human or as a business. So you, a lot of resilience, a lot of learning, some humility and constant evolution adaptation mm-hmm. is the way to do it. That's, that's great. <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah. That's pretty much, I think, it in a nutshell, and you seem to have mastered it. That's for sure. Trying my best every day. <laughs> Girl, you're killing it. Yeah, we're, we're just awestruck and inspired, and we hope that you continue to breed this generation of women that want to aspire to having your success and, you know, being strong, entrepreneurial women for other women coming up after them. And I think that is you know, the definition of support. And um, we just got to be there for our sisters. Yeah, absolutely. And encourage them. In whatever capacity that they, you know, have dreams for themselves. And I think that that's so cool is like, just, I don't know, yeah, coming alongside like other women and just being like, what do you want out of life? And and it's cool, I think, especially with Sugar Bash Pro being a B2B business, where it's like, our like our success is literally just because of other women's or, or men, but their success. Right. And if they're not being successful with what we're offering, then we are not successful. And so the only growth that we've ever had as a business is because we've helped other people grow. And so it is a really, really cool, like circle of support. And I'm very blessed to do what I do. Yeah. And that's another great point is gratitude is always something that should be considered and and held when you are a successful person and have a great business and without the other people, without the consumers, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. So it's great to have such amazing amounts of gratitude and you sound like you really do. For sure. Aww. Well, I, we, we are so thankful that you're on our show today and we love you and we're so proud and, and we can't wait to see what's to come. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. I think you're going to leave a lot of people feeling inspired and excited and maybe encourage them to take that next step that they've been too afraid to take. So I I, I hope that. Anyway. And alleviate some, you know, mom or otherwise guilt. Yeah. Along I, the way. Definitely. <laughs> that should always be like canceled out because you should have no guilt and if whatever Especially guilt you feel. when you're fear. pursuing your dreams. <laughs> yeah. But I think whatever guilt we feel, feel as moms is also 
just because we love our children. Like we care and we want to be there for them every second of the day, but that's just not realistic. And they don't want us there every second of the day anyway. (laughs) They're like, oh my God, that's called smothering. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, this was so great. And again, thank you so much for taking the time. If you can let our listeners know where they can find you, that would be great. Yeah, if you guys are wanting to, yeah, learn more about Sugar Lash Pro, it's uh, just sugarlashpro.ca for Canadians, not com for Americans. And um, yeah, I mean, if you've been interested in getting into the lash industry, then for sure, we'd love to um, talk to you about taking our courses and maybe starting a career in the lash industry. And and where can they follow you on social media? Uh, social media is at Sugar Lash Pro on Instagram. And then um, if they wanted to follow my personal entrepreneurial journey, it is just at Court Bueller, uh, C-O-U-R-T-B-U-H-L-E-R, which is kind of just, yeah, an interesting perspective, I guess, into, yeah, being the CEO of a big beauty company. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Courtney, and I hope we get to talk to you again. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it another year Amazing. and we can do a we can do a 12 months later interview. <laughs> an that update. Would yeah, that would yeah, be Yeah, so we'd love to do an update. Thanks so much, guys. This is a super cool conversation. I appreciate it a lot. Wow. That was a great call with Courtney. She's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to talk to her. But I'm also so excited to do this segment. Me too. Um, We have gotten some hilarious stories and examples of what people think are ride or die. So we basically asked you guys on social media to share your stories or experiences when you felt someone in your life was like ride or die. Now, obviously, we don't mean it from like the serious ride or die sense, but like, you know. <laughs> like, tell us about the time that you either rode or you died. <laughs> <laughs> or were willing to die. Um, no, but yeah. no, yeah. Yeah, but just when you knew that friend was your lifelong friend yeah. and um, you gave us some good shit, like we're, I'm, I cannot wait, like I'm. Just- okay, okay, read one. Go. <laughs> okay, so this one is hilarious and it's pretty quick. So you sent us in. I knew my boyfriend was ride or die when I came back from a trip to Cuba and was sick and insanely constipated. I had to take a laxative, but was scared of having explosive diarrhea because I had never taken a laxative before. So he said he would take it with me so I wasn't taking it alone, even though he did not need it. He risked having explosive diarrhea too. He is now my husband. Aww. (laughs) I would not do that. There would not be a time when I would do that. A, because ew. And B, (laughs) logically speaking, why do you both need to be on the toilet? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) What if you both did have explosive diarrhea? Correct. But yeah. um, That's where my head went. But that's nice. Yeah, that is super sweet. Good for them. Ride or die. You killed it, bro. Well, (laughs) and you got the girl at the end. Yeah. Win-win. It's totally a win-win. And I wonder if either got explosive diarrhea. Maybe we'll follow up with our listener and ask. (laughs) (laughs) Fact check. (laughs) Listeners either got it or didn't. Yeah. We'll let you guys know next week. I know you'll be eagerly awaiting that information. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You've got one. Okay. Um, And... Our friends that sent these in, we love you so much. And obviously, we're going to keep it all anonymous, but y'all know who you are. Some friends, some are people we don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this one is specifically is a friend. Yeah. Oh, my God, I've said too much. No, yes. anyway. Shut up. <laughs> okay. away. So I knew my now two BFFs were ride or die when I was so wasted on two occasions. One, 
I peed in my friend's bed and she did not hate me after that. And two, when I squat peed into her, her <laughs> purse after a bachelorette party, she just washed everything in the tub of the hotel and never said anything about it for a year. We're all still besties today. Honestly, that is ride or die. <laughs> Shit right there. Why would she not tell? I'd be like, yo, you pissed in my fucking purse. What the fuck? Because <laughs> she's a fucking good friend is what she is. Yeah, but I don't think that makes you a bad friend to tell the person. If they're like, if you're still going to be friends with the person anyway, who cares? But I would be like, you need to know this. Okay. Yeah. Well, put it this way. Um, I'm pretty sure that conversation happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might have taken a little bit longer, but it sure as hell happened. <laughs> but Aww. these are good, and we definitely want more. Like, we love hearing stories, and don't hold back. I know. Tell us the real shit, because I know, you know, we've had some really fucking embarrassing shit happen to us, and if it wasn't for our friends, um, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so send us, call us out, remind us. Also, people we don't know, we'd love to hear your stuff. Um Keep it coming, guys. We're not going to call you out by name ever. It'll all be super anonymous. As you know, you can just laugh along when you recognize your story. Yeah, but we also <laughs> just like laughing and laughing at slash with people. But these are hilarious stories. And I think it just makes girls love girls even more. And oh, bring God. Us together. Super relatable. And um, I know we had a little bit of a theme this week with poo and pee. <laughs> but it doesn't always have to be about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> your face you're like oh god yeah because i, I did we start actually for some reason pick up on that till you mentioned it anyways yeah anyway. anything any story you have but yeah so we hope to be able to do this uh you know every couple episodes but we need your stories so we can keep it up and yeah. as always yeah. What are our plugs? Follow us. Follow us at perspective underscore podcast on Instagram. And that's the only plug we have. Why do you always forget Libsyn? No, I'm not plugging Libsyn. <laughs> it's like 100 letter. No, we're not plugging Libsyn. <laughs> so yeah, follow us and please review, rate, and subscribe. We really would appreciate it. We need it. And until next time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.